Hello everyone and welcome to the final episode of season one. Whoa, we've been through so much, so many ups and downs, so many listeners, so much money. Uh, you know, our lives have changed since we began this, haven't they, Phil? Yes. Two ordinary lads. Now here we are on top of the world. I can't even go into the supermarket anymore. Like if I say to anybody, oh, where are the beans, please? They say, oh, I, you're Phil from the stuff meeting. <laughs> I have to go, oh, and then I, have to, I leave because I just can't put up with the fame. I can't handle how many it. Times, how many times have you asked for the beans? Only once for the beans, because then I know where it is. <laughs> That's what I see. Okay. Different items usually, Ben. Okay, nice. Well, uh, yes, great for you to join us. We don't have a, a guest with us today. Uh, as of the final episode, we just thought we'd wrap up some thoughts we've had about uh, about lockdown over the past 18 months. Maybe things that you've learned, things that we've changed over that time. It's been a, what's the words? Or we use the word important. It's been a, a big time. What's the word I'm thinking of? Big, important, impactful. Momentous. Momentous. That sounds quite positive, doesn't it? Mm. It's been a time in which lots has changed and people have, have changed in that time. So before we talk about it, is that right, Phil? Yep, that's the plan. Great. So why don't you kick us off with some thoughts you've had? I'm going to try my best. When we were thinking about what we could say, I was going to try and not make it too negative, even though I think I do not look at it positively at all. Uh, One thing uh, that is positive that I've learned through lockdown is that Galaxy is my favourite chocolate. Ooh. That's one thing. Just plain Galaxy. Plain Galaxy. Other chocolate bars are available, but they're not as nice. So uh, that's one thing I've learned. But a bit more... um, a bit more important, probably more in line with what you mean. One thing I've learned, Ben, or some thoughts I've been having, which is is particular to where I live at the moment, is I never knew how much power the Welsh Assembly had. I didn't know, like in, mm. and it might be worth saying in terms of time, England have eased some restrictions off on the 19th of July. Wales are going to ease some off now in August the 7th. So we're kind of halfway between those two dates as we talk about this. And I never knew that the Welsh Assembly had the ability or the power to control health in this way. They've obviously had Mm. the power for some time, but it was only because of COVID and the response to it that it's kind of become apparent. Right, so the the kind of the COVID restrictions differing to the the rest of the the UK, is that right? Yeah, so the fact that they can introduce laws about, say, mask wearing or schools being open and closed regardless of what they decide in Westminster which some people who are massive fans of devolution will like I don't so I'm going to be a bit more critical of it naturally but yeah I I had no idea that the Welsh Assembly given that the power it has was given to the Assembly through votes and referendums that not very many people really attended I think it's a bit cheeky, but that's one thing that's been very new. And I think it has highlighted in Scotland as well. I think it's highlighted how and how different and how maybe separate the United Kingdom is in a sad way. Yeah. It's like a disunited kingdom at the moment, I feel. Yes, and only heightened by the recent European Championship. Absolutely. We love, like, we were very positive about the little, little Wales and little Scotland. We don't like the England. 
didn't didn't feel it came back, did you, Ben? Oh well, it, it, it football did come home. That was the whole point, wasn't it? Like it was in England. That's what the song was written about. It's coming to England. So we played the final in England, so it did come home. True. Trophy was there in England. Do you feel like the the support was imbalanced though in terms of England to Wales, um, Wales to England? I think the the general sporting punditry spoke very positively of how amazingly Wales managed to do with their tiny uh, population. Most of their players not playing in Wales, obviously, or in fact, ever really played in Wales at all and just played in England. Um, Would they? (laughs) But yes, I think it it just highlights the the difference, doesn't it? It highlights the, uh, the lack of support for one another in the United Kingdom. Yeah. I'm not a fan of it, really. I wish we were a bit more united. What about you, Ben? How do you feel about it? Does it make you sad? Yeah, it does, because I would say I'm proud to be English. I'd say I'm proud to be British. And I would always support the, the home nations in any sport, unless they're playing England. That was my general rule until the final of the Euros this year. I had, I had a big shift. When you saw them all, you know forcing their way into the stadium and booing the national anthem. I mean, this thought, oh, is yes, and that's no. what I thought. Very I I find booing national anthems really funny. Um I don't know why. <laughs> well of course he's English. It, I think it's because it's such a taboo that I just think I'm just giving to myself. But yes, the fan stuff was horrible. A, a small minority affecting the the view of, of English fans. And it was interesting seeing lots of clips after I watched um Ben Foster's YouTube channel he's got. I don't know if you've seen any of that. Cycling GK. And he took his son to the to the final. And actually, as soon as they were outside Wembley trying to get in, it felt uh he was scared for his son. He was scared for his safety. And that kind of feeling's not very nice. Um and I saw a few different angles of that of someone else who'd gone and not taken their child and was very relieved that they hadn't. I can't remember who that was. But it's yeah, it's a sad time, isn't it? And I think part I put that down, a lot of it down to to kind of post-lockdown. A lot of very excited football fans who haven't been in many games. They've obviously excited for the situation. The late, they've obviously been drinking since very early in the morning because of the uh, kind of hype around the game. and um, yeah. It was quite late on the, the day as well, so they had plenty of time. So a lot of uh, excited, drunken, emotionally... Hi, people did not work well. It wasn't a good advert for England, unfortunately. It is interesting in the context of lockdown. Isn't it? it did feel, especially with the timing being so close mm. to restrictions being lifted, it did feel a little bit like, all right, we're so close. Let's just... yeah. And in a different way, I kind of felt similarly, like thinking about lockdown as a whole, when there was the riots last year, like Black Lives Matter, I do think, I don't know if it would have happened like that if it wasn't for lockdown. I think if people mm. weren't kind of at home with the new cycle as it was. I don't think things would have escalated in that way. And obviously they're very different. They're motivated yeah. by very different things and all the rest of it. But it did feel a little bit like, oh, I don't think it would have been like that. Same with the Euros final, sadly. Yes, there we are. And I, I think that's a good segue into my point, because talking about the difference that the lockdown makes on, on people, how do I want to phrase this point? I will go with the umbrella being, I kind of think, learnt over lockdown how politicised science can be. I feel the view of science in our Western world at the moment is that science is 
is kind of almost the cult of science in that if science says it, it's true, it never changes. Um, very high view of scientists, any article or paper or news article that says scientists say never really require any backing it's as soon as you said scientists say it's okay and I think um, noticing how the science I'm doing air quotes has seemed to change depending on government's decisions has been I think a clearest one for me would be for example the mask wearing and if you kind of look at the paper's Pre-pandemic, uh, the World Health Organization advice was to not wear masks. They, they decided the, the effect of them was so small that using them um, encouraged people to touch their face and actually increased overall the likelihood of spreading disease. But obviously, there wasn't any science that suddenly changed that, but rather more of a social social aspect of it for example that's one example of how kind of the science changed and it kind of just opened my eyes to needing to like with everything take look at both sides and try and balance out the risk so science is more precise than i realize because with the masks the science didn't necessarily seem to change it was just the the discussion and kind of the uh the policy on the masks changed. So at the beginning, mm. I remember them saying, and I felt like I'd be memory holes, like I had false memories given. Because I remember them saying, we're not going to encourage or recommend or mandate mask wearing for those reasons, you know, touching your yeah. face and all the rest of it. And like the social cost isn't, you know, is, is quite high for the benefit mm. they give. And then it felt like out of nowhere, because I can't remember, and I might be wrong here, but I can't remember there being a big breakthrough on oh my goodness, all of a sudden, you know, wow, masks are really helpful. But it seemed like everything changed. It became illegal to go to the shop without wearing a mask if you didn't have an exemption. And people started using that as a symbol of whether you cared about people dying or not. Mm-hmm. And the science was, on that in that case, you know, seemed to, to remain the same. It was just our attitude. to, And it's like that's where the politics of science comes in, isn't it? Because mm-hmm. science is, it should be apolitical. It's just how you yeah. use particular studies or breakthroughs to talk about different things and and i do agree with that comment i mean if you said anything in the news and looking at the state of some of the news news websites you look at now this is how headlines tend to run it's like generic comment scientists say could be anything yeah. water is wet scientists say yeah and it's, oh, it, but it could be anything like literally any arrangement of words and they check scientists say at the end as if it should be oh right well there we are then that's that settled yeah. And sometimes it is literally just something that someone who happens to be a scientist has said, and it's nothing about any of their area of expertise. They've just said it, and they're a scientist. <laughs> oh, but yeah. So that is, I didn't. I wouldn't say it upset me. It just, it, I think it became clearer. Yeah, it, it's hard because it's important not to be cynical of science, and you know the scientific method, and coming up with hypotheses and testing them and seeing if they work and then making policy decisions off them all that is essential it's just it becomes very difficult not to be cynical of a lot of it when people when when the conversations around the science like shut things down so in terms of you know talking and the general conversation of how people act within lockdown like it does feel pretty new to me it might not be but it does feel pretty new to me this kind of way of like judging and looking down on people because they don't agree with say, the mainstream interpretation of science to this extent, say, like, mm. making out that people who don't, who are, who raise questions about having vaccines, 
ultimately are nasty, evil people who want to see other people die for asking questions that in any other year you would be absolutely well within your rights to ask. It's a shame. It's not good for for us as a, as a nation. You know, this yeah. whole like, anti-vaxxer thing, like, oh, they're anti-vaxxers. Yeah, well, people asking questions about some of this stuff seems pr- perfectly valid to me, especially if they have had family members who've been ill after having the vaccine. That is happening. Maybe not on the scale that some people are putting across. But for those people, are they not allowed to ask questions without being made to feel like they're evil? Yeah, ask questions. But it's just that there's an interpretation needed, isn't there, in science? And that's where it becomes the problem. The science itself doesn't change. Like you said, it's not, you know, that's the, the beauty of it. But actually, you know, science says that if I hold my breath, I'm not going to give that airborne disease. But actually, mm. I need to do that if I want to live. So I'm making that choice, the balance of it's probably better for me to breathe and to keep living than maybe it isn't. Maybe no, not it is. for you. Yeah, I think, that, I think that's a good example of we're always using the science to make informed choices rather than just following it blindly. The idea around like just the idea of science can be quite risky and dangerous. I know that it's uh, this might be seen in a negative light by some, but it does kind That's of cool. cover itself. Like it does feel like you said about like the cult of science earlier. There is like, it feels like there is like this weird religious aura revolving around the idea of science not the yeah. practice of science but oh scientists say this therefore you must yeah. behave in this this and this way like i was covering an re lesson with some year nines and i was amazed at how dismissive they were of lots of religious ideas and belief and not but just so one one people for example say oh yeah well we all know now that all religions are ridiculous that the big bang is disproved there's a god and now we just follow science as if science is its own belief system that gives you the right idea about how to act and how not to act and what to do and not to do and how to see the world. Like regardless of whether you think there is a God or not, just substituting God for some notion of science. That doesn't seem particularly helpful, especially when, as lockdown has shown, science can be used for all different type of ends, good or bad. And as soon as you start making people feel, I don't think anybody's deliberately doing this, maybe going out of their way to do it, but as soon as people start to feel bad for questioning certain elements of how scientific experiments are applied, well, isn't that part of the risk that comes with religious belief? Like I say, as a Christian, isn't that part of it? If you stop asking questions and you start just saying, oh, no, that's how it is, and if you don't think it, then you're you're evil or you're bad mm-hmm. and you don't care. Isn't that like one of the main problems we've had with religious organisations and belief for centuries, if not longer? Some people may say, I don't. Some people may say, mm, yeah, fair. It links actually nicely to something else I was going to say about, about kind of spirituality, religion, and kind of that deep human sense of, of need, needing something more. And I think um, for many people, lockdown did that as many things that distract us from deeper thinking quite often kind of were taken away. And jobs, you know, jobs were taken away, lives were taken, and actually people have, we're experiencing awful things in life, but then also this kind of smaller things that just changed their lifestyle, made them realize things were different. It seemed to me to have kind of highlighted a, a need for connection, a need for a relationship, for community. And I think for a lot of people, it's shown the, the, the pandemic kind of brought that to light. Also kind of seen in, in how, to being a Christian aware of, of churches and actually seeing how churches uh, online presence is needed to grow. It's needed for many years, but something that's kicked a lot of churches 
um, on to actually do that. And seeing some smaller churches seeing more attendance online than, than they have for years on in person and perhaps reflecting maybe a, a, a deeper understanding of the need for, for that kind of spiritual connection has, has grown from it. Um, and perhaps even a stigma of going to church. You know, if you can sit in your living room and go to church, no one will know. Perhaps mm. that is a reason as well for the growth. Like we've just spoken about science. I think going, saying that you go to church now is kind of saying to someone, well, I don't think, I don't, you know, or I don't, I don't believe in science or I'm anti this, I'm anti that. So, yeah, I think the pandemic has shown me and, and lots of people that deep need that humans have for connection and something more than perhaps what is in front of the eyes. The online community is is strange, really, isn't it? And I think it's a difficult I, it's a difficult thing for churches to negotiate now because if we've gone kind of up to online community so easily, and some people have either joined church or become Christians, for example, because of that, mm-hmm. then trying to reintroduce the need to meet physically can become a little bit more tricky, isn't it? So the justification given and kind of the explanation of why we needed to go online. And for some people who are very still very worried about COVID, this will remain the same. Stressing the importance of meeting physically in a building is quite a tricky thing to negotiate, really. So just thinking of people who've become Christians and are very anxious to come to church, and that's part of the reason why they did online. They came yeah. more comfortable. And uh, it's now quite tricky to kind of resolve that meeting in person it's not impossible and i think hopefully it will be just as easy kind of opening back up and people will stress the importance of meeting with people because it is an important thing meeting with people online is great and it is good in a number of ways it's much more convenient like i find it's much more convenient for bible study say on a weekday mm. you just you just put the computer on five minutes before it starts and log in then go to the church building and yeah. all the rest of it but being with people and spending time with people lockdown has weirdly really shown how important that is whilst giving us a bit of a poor substitute for what it is if that makes any sense yeah i think you actually mentioned it on the previous episode about kind of how quick the church was to go online and say oh it doesn't matter online's fine um, and how it's going to be difficult to come back from it yeah it'd be interesting to listen back it will like i was probably not very caring or loving in how i used to phrase it to be fair but yeah, I just always feel like if if it's really and, and singing is another good example of this. Like mm. if these things are really important and we stop doing them for the risks associated with COVID as they've they've been discussed and, and articulated, is as the risk all of a sudden just disappeared to the extent that now we can just do them. Like how do you mm. kind of after the event say, no, no, those things have always been really important if for say a period of about a year the church, for example, went, oh, yeah, well, the guidance is this, so we're not going to do it. And I say that in yeah. a very comfortable position, not being a church leader, having to make those decisions. But I think one of the di- most difficult things for for communities, not just the church, but communities generally, like specific communities people are a part of, is trying to keep people united on the issue of COVID. Like You don't want some people to feel that their worries are being dismissed. You don't want other people who are yeah. a bit more, who are not as worried, feeling that they're being completely dismissed either. It's difficult to draw... Yeah line in the middle yes we did uh, in fact sing on sunday at church how was it behind a mask of course which is actually quite difficult <laughs> did um, you enjoy yes it was nice uh nice to sing together again yes 
I'm not very good at it, but I enjoy singing at church. I enjoy really it, miss yeah. it. Something about that unity and also that vulnerability before before God. I think that is powerful. Another thing that I've been thinking about, and I think I've realised through lockdown, alongside kind of a lot of these changes we've just mentioned, is I've realised how many how many new things are produced and how much of it is so unnecessary. So one of the things that I got really frustrated about during lockdown, which is imba- is pathetic, really, it is. When they delayed the new James Bond movie, I think it was in, it was meant to come out in April 2020, I think. And then they pushed it back to like October and they pushed it back again. So I think it's not coming out, I think, is it? So maybe October, November this year, I can't even remember now. But I remember thinking, oh, that's annoying. I was looking forward to going to watch that. And we don't go to the cinema like every week or anything, but usually I'll, I'll keep an eye on new films coming out and go watch them. Or if there's like a new game coming out for the PlayStation mm-hmm. or whatever. You think, oh, yeah, that's new. That looks different. I'll try that. Now that everything's been delayed and pushed back, you kind of realise, oh, so much of it is so unnecessary. Like, we've got so much stuff. There's so many kind of films, yeah. games and things to do and people to see that it's just weird, isn't it? It's like that weird cycle of, oh, new things, new things, new things, new things. That's been paused because of lockdown. And actually, it's quite nice to think, oh, you know what? Really is not a big deal if you don't, have new things coming out all the time. That's been a, a nice positive, even though I do want to see, I can't even remember what it's called, but I do want to see the new James Bond film. But that's been quite a nice uh, focus shift, really, about how lucky we are to have as much, as many nice mm. things to do as we have that are unnecessary. Yeah, and I think that's important to remember in, in where we are and so blessed to be in that position that we can reflect on that. I think the... The other half, the other danger is not really noticing that and channeling channeling, channeling your emotions in, into being angry about other things that are really small. Mm. You see what I mean? I think that might be a reason that many people are so passionate about maybe some smaller issues in life and get very angry because they're not concerned about having enough food um, or having shelter. Obviously, they're blessings that many people have in this country. And actually, if those are things you don't think about, that that thought goes elsewhere and kind of, I think, maybe conflates other issues at the same time. Definitely. Well, I think if I was, you know, if my name was Karl Marx, I would be all like, well, these things are just distractions from the real kind of difficulties kind of facing us. And ultimately, they they kind of are. They are for, for lots of people around the world, like the things you mentioned got some really serious things to be thinking about on a daily basis not mm. the things that we mm. fill our minds with so it's a blessing mm. but yeah one that needs to be held in perspective perspective really isn't it but yeah good 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 um i think we've also noticed how busy we are as well as how much stuff we've got i think how much busy our fast life was i think particularly on the first lockdown when it literally was just everything stopped um it wasn't literally at all um most things stopped all at once you know the roads were empty animals started walking around town um like it was a real a real shock to the system many people who move very quickly and and commute and work and commute and sleep and commute and work stopped and kind of re-evaluated what was important to them and like we spoke about before about community and relationship highlighting how important that was and it took things stopping to, to see that across the world so 
yeah important and i think in some cases as well it's highlighted the importance of our mental health as well a lot of people have some people have struggled with their mental health over the pandemic who haven't struggled before and actually learned a lot about themselves and how to do what they need to to work well whether they need exercise or certain people in their life that that help them mm. it's a big uh, a big topic now very interesting actually with mental health i thought i had this thought the other day because i'd seen an article it was from the bbc from a while ago um one of their fact check ones you know the fact check ones where they they uh they give a statement and then they fact check it and basically it normally says it's not true and then they don't actually explain it or say where they got it from <laughs> they just give facts and say nah well it, this one was titled um seven enduring claims fact checked um on covid lockdown one of the seven was the claim suicides increased 200 percent during lockdown and wow. the verdict the verdict said this the only reliable recent data on suicides in england from the university of manchester have found that rates have not risen during lockdown Stay-at-home orders and the economic impact of pandemic have undoubtedly taken a toll on people's mental health. However, shared posts saying suicides have gone up 200% during the pandemic are false. That's it. Okay. Why are we downplaying this suggestion? You know, why was that downplayed? It's a throwaway comment. They've undoubtedly taken a toll on people's mental health. We should be looking into it and, and researching it more rather than turning it down because it seems that we only care about mental health if you are a professional sports person who's finding it tricky yeah it's hard and i'm not i'm not downplaying professional sports people's mental health i wouldn't be able to do it i don't think i could deal with the pressure of being a professional sports person with the with the the percentage maybe of kind of trying to Uh dispute that i guess you could that's helpful because if that's just something that's doing the rounds. I can understand where mm. actually there's very little evidence or no evidence to suggest that's the case. But then, yeah, the, the solution should just be, oh, well, that's not true. Like there'll be an impact of mental health uh, on people's mental health of what's going on, but that number isn't true. And then, like, well, It does feel very selective, the sort of numbers and fact-checking that these mm. like news web- websites or whatever undertake. It seems like I see lots on the BBC website, again, you know, about people who've denied whether vaccines work, who have then sadly died from COVID. And it kind of feels it's very selective, the particular Mm. stories and claims that are being disputed by a number of outlets. And you think maybe that number is wrong. Like it sounds like it is. That sounds like... Or how have they got... Where's it been found? Yeah. Yeah. But kind of, where have you found it? Why... Are you disputing that particular one? I mean, it sounds like it's with with good reason if it is wrong, but what's the ultimate game? It just feels a little bit sometimes it's... It seems like a lot of the time that's like, right, that's not true, that's not true, that's not true, and are quite selective in saying what isn't true and what isn't true. And there's never really any discussion past that initial kind of batting away of whatever fact they're... they're, or reputed fact they're discussing. I think mental health... I'm really struggling with the whole concept of mental health at the moment in, term, in in the context of lockdown because I just don't know what we're really we are talking about a lot of the time now. Mm. Like I always, I'm under the impression that everyone's got 
mental health in the same yeah. way you've got physical health and some people's yeah. mental health is in poor condition some people's in good condition there are things you can do at times to improve either your mm-hmm. physical or your mental health and there are sometimes you need additional support if you've mm-hmm. got a particular difficulty and like a lot of the time it just seems at this point in time where so much discussion should be had about mental health the more you hear about it the more it's like you in the context of sports people struggling mm. with their mental health and i'm not saying of course that they're not but it just seems like this vague notion or vague idea of that, that covers all sorts of different things that just i think ultimately can can seem quite unhelpful in a way i just don't know what we really mean at the moment when we talk about mental health mm. i don't know who can help us but yeah Maybe next season we get some uh, mental health professionals That'd be a good come idea, and help yeah. us out. But for now, is there anything else, Ben, that you've learned through lockdown? I've learned a bit of, tried to do a bit of carpentry himself, a bit of bookcase. So uh, oh. kind of learned, learned a bit about that. I do it differently now. Well, that's good use of time. Yeah, learned the flags of the world. Well, the uh, 193... UN states have oh, really? learned those flags. Yeah. What so, colours are on very Nepal's flag, Ben? Ah, Nepal, the only non-quadrilateral flag. Nice. Yeah. That's in a regular Mexican, I think. Two, three. Well, fair enough. Or Pentagon, regular Pentagon. That's it's red and blue as well, I believe. Well done, Ben. Just learned something there. Do you want to hear something I've learned? Another yes, thing I've learned? Okay. You'll like this one. The QWERTY keyboard was specifically designed to be inefficient. The letters that are most commonly used were on the left-hand side at the disadvantage of right-handed people who are, you know, there are more right-handed people than left-handed people. So they were specifically designed, because when it was typewriter days, the letters would jam if you clicked adjacent keys. So the keyboard was designed to be inefficient so that it wouldn't jam. But now, even though there are much better ways to rearrange the keyboard, we keep it the same because we've already learned it and we... It, it doesn't test very well when they've tried it elsewhere. In other ways, oh. one thing I've learned. Great. As yeah. we speak, yeah. I've just got a text from the NHS saying you can book your first dose of the vaccine. Have you had already had it. Dose, yeah? I've already had it. I've got about six texts telling me I've had it, mate. Leave me it's alone. It's funny you say that because this morning I had a text off the NHS saying I could have my first dose. There we go. Have you on had yours? Date, well, I'm on the same day to have my second dose booked. I'm going in later. Now, see, that's uh, let's not, and we've already done that stuff. But I just think there, there was one other thing I wanted to mention that uh, I've learned, or I've, I've kind of guess noticed more through lockdown. Mm-hmm. And this might sound harsh, but there we go. I'm, just, I'm, I'm really disappointed in the British public. I'm, I'm, I've really been disappointed with the general response of this nation to the COVID outbreak. Of course in you terms, are. In terms of how people have responded to the politicians, in terms of how economically illiterate we seem to be, in terms of our just general kind of lack of awareness, really, of how to look after each other in terms of our mental health, even though I'm struggling at the minute with exactly what that encapsulates or covers, like just how dismissive we've been of the impact of lots of things, just a whole range of things, really. And... Um, mm-hmm. It, it's been a shame. I, I really thought that there would be a line with, uh, with, with what politicians can tell people to do, uh, that people would be like, nah, do you know what? That's none of your business. And we've just yeah. kind of 
skated right over it. And if you if you do raise questions or if you do kind of not follow particular things to the letter, no matter what you're reasoning for it, like people just yeah, I found it just felt like when people say phrases like we're at war with COVID or we should be willing to pay any price to kind of fight COVID. I just I thought that we were a little bit more, and, and this is obviously geared to what I think, because I think a lot of it has been, a lot of the policy and response has been way, way, way over the top. But I just thought we'd have a little bit more about us as a country to say to people, well, no, that we're not going to do yeah. that. Like, you, you can't tell us how many people are allowed around our house. Like, you, based on after the first, say, six or seven weeks when more kind of information was coming through, and especially when you actually speak with people privately, lots of people have a number of questions about the government's response and how proportionate it's been. But people still follow it, like publicly. I've been really mm-hmm. a little bit disappointed. People seem to think, you know, yeah, politicians, you can't trust them and they're making a dreadful, they're doing a dreadful job, but then they still listen to them. And I just think, oh. So you're saying you're disappointed that people are trying to save other people i know no well <laughs> i mean it could easily be seen that way i think um, it's funny i'm laughing because that's that is ultimately what some people say isn't it and um, <laughs> what i'm disappointed with is how simplistic people's attitude is so people will say yeah. that like oh so basically you're putting your freedom over other people's safety and i think well it's more a case of by doing what we've done by following the policies that we followed We've now made it harder to do this, this, and this. So, like, by spending the amount that we have on fighting COVID and by redirecting so many resources in the NHS to fighting COVID, we have now made it incredibly difficult to fight other illnesses and treat other sicknesses. Mm. So there's going to be a massive hangover from all of this. And it's it just feels like, as a general rule, people just don't seem to think about it. When you speak with people, they say, oh, yeah, we've just got any prices worth paying to stop COVID. And you think, well, lots of people, and it's sad, it's tragic, lots of people are now not going to have the screening they would have had for certain types of cancer yeah. because yeah. they may not have gone to go and get things checked that they ordinarily would have, for instance. Lots of people are now going to be struggling with their mental health in ways that they wouldn't have if we hadn't followed these sets of policies. Lots of money that's gone into, say, track and trace and all the rest of it could have gone into other things and i know it's not as easy as you know you put into the computer the risks and then it just tells you where to put the money but just the way like when you speak with people people seem to think it's fighting covid or nothing at all and i think that's what i've been disappointed with just how as a nation we don't seem to have a real kind of understanding i guess it sounds a bit patronizing but whatever like it don't seem to have a real understanding or gauge of how the consequences of these actions are going to have going forward. Like there was something mm. in the BBC this week about oh, taxes. Some inquiry has found that taxes are going to have to go up to pay for the COVID bill, as if that's news. And it's like, well, well of course, <laughs> yeah. of course, I was always going to like this furlough scheme. Oh, like of course, this was going to cause a massive, massive, massive issue. And this is the policy that was chosen. I, I would argue, Wales and Scotland, you know, Nicola and Mark have a lot to answer for in terms of preempting a lot of it from Westminster but it's going to have a massive impact and it just feels like as a nation why weren't we just saying no like you, you, we can't do this this is not healthy and I've got to balance that as a Christian got to put people as leaders over us and we've got to respect their decisions and I have been but I'm still thinking this is this is not being a particularly loving or healthy response to a crisis it's going to cause a lot of hardship sadly 
Yeah, there's going to be a lot of fallout, isn't there, in the future? Lots of things that are going to be uh, put on the pandemic. Well, the, yeah, put on the pandemic, the decisions that were made in the future, whether that's children and their, and their mental health taxes, like you say. There's going to be an awful lot of fallout over the next however many years. And uh, we've got to work together in a way to sort it out rather than, I imagine there'll be a lot of times where we kind of go, well, well, thought this would happen. No one listened to me at the time. Don't want to hear yeah. that from you, Phil. But we've just got to crack on, haven't we? Make it work now. Absolutely. We've got to get on with it. And just, yeah. it's just, I think what I struggle with is as we're seeing it add up, can we just start doing some of the stuff now? Can we, you know, I know it's it's easy enough now. It just feels that you're right. Like it, it's going to be no good in future. Oh, we knew this was going to happen. Hold yourself or anything like that. Because ultimately, we are trying to stop people from dying that i get that that's yeah. the point but it does just feel a little bit like really we just let the government just they just tell you who you can have around your house regardless yeah. of the risks that they are telling you that they see i yeah. just yeah yes the risk risk factor now is very very different to, to the beginning when we knew nothing now we seem to be in a very positive place i think it's been seven days now in england where the cases have dropped 10 days after the rules been restricted people of course have said not to get too hasty so it's a bit of a two, kind of a two-week delay in, in the cases normally. So let's see. Let's see how we're going. Hopefully at the beginning of Series 2, we will have some, you know, lots of positive news. And hopefully we will still remember the lessons we've learned from the past 18 months. That's a good way of looking at it. Like, hopefully, we will never, ever, ever, ever see again, for, for, for the rest of British history, the government offering to pay half of your dinner when you go out for food if that's one thing we learn <laughs> that'll be a start eat out to help out one absolutely atrocious idea that was if we never see that again good that's a good way of looking at it ben positive amen well it's been a pleasure guys thanks for coming on this journey with us you can of course just go back to episode one listen all the way through again no problem do let us know if you've learned anything from lockdown see us on twitter at the stuff meeting podcast probably can't remember what the handle is something like that great it's been a pleasure guys as always thank you for welcoming us into your ears it won't be too long till you hear from us again soon bye